way back in February, I started a series, and we did three parts of it already, called Listening, Prayer, and Bounds. And in the last three weeks, uh, of course, uh, Pastor Ray uh, took us on a little break there, and we did an awesome series, just an awesome series he took us through on uh, gender roles in ministry and marriage and all those sorts of things. Awesome series. He's now off in BC and uh, doing some study and meeting with some key leaders out there and that, and that sort of thing. Um, but in the meantime, now I'm going to go back to listening prayer in bounds, and we're going to take a couple weeks here and keep moving through this series. I'm not rushing through this series. Uh, I just think it's, uh, it's just foundational, this uh, how we hear God and how we live uh, in, in that place of hearing God and how we live with wisdom with what we're hearing, I think is just foundational to the Christian life. And, uh, and so we've been looking throughout this series at uh, two sides of the, the hearing God coin. On the one side of the coin is uh, many of us here, most of us here, we have experienced hearing God's voice and it's been wonderful. God setting us free, talking to us. And uh, ministering to us. And it's amazing. Hearing God's voice is necessary and wonderful and life-giving. And then on the other side of the coin, though, is this, is this fact. It's a fact. It's a true thing that many of us have known people or known of people who thought they heard something from God and then they went right off the rails. And they did something, uh, uh, they did something foolish. They did something illegal. They did something dumb, whatever it is. And because of something, they thought they heard from God. So on the one hand, it's uh, hearing God is life. On the other hand, we know of people who have made mistakes, right? And again, as I've been emphasizing throughout this series, the people who make mistakes, I've made mistakes. I've shared some of those stories of how I've made mistakes in hearing God. These people aren't bad people. But the point of this message series is we want to put some biblical guidelines onto this thing of hearing God and seeking to hear His voice and seeking to know His will for your life. We want to put some biblical guidelines in there to keep us safe. Okay, and when I say safe, I don't mean keeping us safe from God. Uh, following God is not a safe thing to do, okay? In this, in this series, I'm not putting in some guidelines to keep you safe from God. That's, that's not what I'm doing. Uh, we're putting in some biblical guidelines to keep us safe from ourselves, Because sometimes the things we think we're hearing from God are not really from God. It's just our own mistaken humanness and sinfulness talking to us, right? And so, uh, so far in this series, we've only, we're we're still just working on guideline number one. And uh, it's the biggest one. When I finally get to the other guidelines, I'll basically be able to finish and uh, be able to finish them in one message. But uh, the guideline, the most important guideline is look for confirmation. When you think you're hearing from God. Okay, and I cannot say this enough. I'm, I'm saving some of you from uh, some very foolish decision in your future, okay? When you think you're hearing from God, okay, before you act, before you act, first look for confirmation. Because sometimes what you think sounds like God so much is really actually just yourself or the devil or your flesh or whatever, all right? And so as we've been going through this looking for confirmation, how do we look for confirmation? We've been, the Bible gives us many tests. We've just been looking at six tests. And we've gotten them all out of the, the one story, Acts chapter 10 to 11. I've already read it to you a couple of times in this series. I'm not going to do it again today. Those of you who haven't heard the other uh, messages, you can go back and listen to them online. But we've been looking at the story, Acts chapter 10 to 11, of the Apostle Peter uh, going into a Gentile home and winning the first Gentile convert, the Roman centurion Cornelius, to Jesus. All right? And that was something that Jewish, the Jewish believers were not supposed to do. They were not supposed to go into Gentile homes. So he gets into trouble for what he does. And so in Acts chapter 11, he goes to stand before the church leaders and he gives them all his reasons why he thinks it was God who told him to do what he did. 
And he uses, he has six points of confirmation that he uses. And the thing I love about the Bible is, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still applicable to us today. The same six tests that Peter used that he could know that it was God speaking to him and not just his sinful self are the same six tests you and I can use today in our life. When you think God is speaking to you in your life, you can apply these confirmation tests in your life and know whether or not it's really God. Okay? And so, so far in this series, we've covered... Uh, for the tests, all right? And so we've talked about words, thoughts, pictures, which keep getting repeated. And we've talked about circumstances, which come together with what you're hearing. And God's blessing follows your obedience. In the last message I preached, we talked about the Holy Spirit giving you a passage of Scripture to confirm whatever it is you think you're hearing, okay? And very important. That last, that number four one, really important. When you think God's calling you to do something, ask Him for a passage of Scripture to confirm, all right? Today we're going to talk about number five. Okay? And number five is agreement from godly, trusted people. And this one, just like the scripture verse one, this is a huge pillar of the confirmation process. This is a super important uh, test for confirmation. Is it really God speaking to you? All right? So, on that note, I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes and uh, let's pray and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Pray that you would say the things through me you want to say. I pray that you would open up our, our hearts and our ears to hear, Father, what it is you want to give us, Lord. I sense that there are some new paradigms, some foundations you want to put under our feet in this message, that we can see listening prayer and the prophetic gifting and hearing your voice in a new light, a light that will help us to be wise, a light that will help us to be humble about the things we think we're hearing from you. Dear Jesus, I pray that we would get those paradigms. And I thank you for what you're going to do. We want to be a church that hears you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Agreement from godly trusted people. I said I wouldn't read to you that whole story from Acts 10 and 11. We're just going to go straight into it and look at one verse. All right? For those of you who haven't been here, you can read it for yourself or listen to the, the previous messages online. But Acts eleven eighteen, Peter comes to the end of his uh, spiel, I guess we could call it, on, on uh, all the reasons why he thinks God called him to do what he did. And now he gets his, uh, his fifth point of confirmation. When the others heard this, so the other church leaders, they stopped objecting. So they stopped objecting to what he had, he had done and began praising God. They said, we can see. We also can see, right? You saw it. Now we can see too. We can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life, all right? And so that's confirmation, other godly people, and so, I mean, other godly people came into agreement and said, yeah, Peter, you're right, that's God. When other godly people hear the same thing as you, that's confirmation. It's confirmation that you're really hearing from God. So here's the thing. As long as I'm the only one hearing something, as long as it's just me, as long as I'm the only one hearing whatever it is I think I'm hearing from God, whatever it is I think I'm hearing is a little suspect, isn't it? If nobody else is getting that from God, if it's just me, then it's suspect. And I'll tell you why it's suspect. Because each of us here has a certain set of biases and blind spots, a certain personality. Each of us has a certain personality that gives us a certain bent to hear certain things from God. Isn't that true? I mean, I know. I've, I've watched this. There's certain people, when you do listening prayer for them, they will always hear a certain type of things. The certain personalities, they will always hear the caring, loving thing. And there's other people that will always, it doesn't matter what you're praying about, they'll always hear more the discipline, rebuke side of things. Isn't that true? 
And you say, well, is God only speaking caring, loving things to these people? And is God only speaking these sorts of things to these people? No. But their personality gives them a bent to hear certain things. And that should give us pause right there for humility about whenever we think we're hearing from God, we need to have a little bit of humility that we have to remember everything we're hearing from God is coming through a filter. And it's the filter of me. And so this is why it's so wonderful when, for example, if I go to my wife, LaDawn, and I think I'm hearing something from God, it's a wonderful thing for me to hear when I say to her, you know, I feel like maybe God is saying this to me and she'll sometimes say something like, I've been getting that same thing in my devotions this week. Or, yeah, that really hits home with my heart too. That answers a question I've been having. When I hear that from her, it gives me confirmation that I'm really hearing God, right? Because if she's also getting it, then it's not just my personality talking to me. It's not just my sinfulness, my humanness, my own blind spots and, and biases that are speaking to me. And that's why getting confirmation from other godly, trusted people is absolutely, amazingly important. See, the body of Christ is a wonderful gift from God to us. God does not expect you and I to perfectly figure out his will for our lives by ourselves. Aren't you happy about that? I'm happy about that. Because I don't want the pressure of having to perfectly figure out everything God wants for me, 100% accuracy, just by myself, in prayer by myself. And God has given us other godly people, spouses and church leaders and godly friends and family members and all these sorts of things. He's put other people in our lives so we can use them as a filter. What do you sense? What do you feel? What are you hearing? And when they hear the same thing, that's a very powerful confirmation that what you're hearing from God is correct. Very powerful, very important. So you say, well, how do I do this? Okay? I mean, well, I mean, it's so simple, it's hard to even talk about how do I do this. You do just what I just talked about, right? Um, you just run it by people. How do I do this? Well, if it's something that has to do with your family, if it has, it's a personal thing and you're married, well, you, then you need to run it by your spouse. And you do it exactly. You don't go to your spouse and say, the Lord told me, now can you put your check mark of approval on this? You go to them and you say things like, I think maybe God said something. I feel like possibly I'm getting this. And you say, what do you, what do you feel, right? Or if it's something for me, I mean, I work here at church. So for me, then I'm going to go, if, it's, if I feel like God's saying to me something for the church that we need to do here at the church, then obviously I'm going to go for confirmation just like Peter did. Peter had a church issue. So where did he go for confirmation? Other church leaders. And I'm going to do the same thing because this is where I work. And wherever you work. You're going to go to other people you work for or, or work with. If they, if they are also believers, you're going to say, this is what I sense God is saying. And you're going to just run it by other people, all right? Now, the question is, who do I, okay, godly trusted people, but there's lots of godly people out there. Who exactly are the people that I pull into this process, all right? And again, some of them will be obvious, but there's two, there's two kind of groups of people. I'm only going to get through one of them today because... After this, I'm going to go on a long rabbit trail, which is going to eat up the message. But, but, and then next week, we'll get the second one, right? But, but there's two groups of people. When you're talking about godly people, you want to pull into your decision-making process. And let's just talk about the first one, okay? First group is, total must, is anybody who has a say in the decision or who has authority over you in the area where you are going to make a decision needs to be a part of the confirmation process, okay? I mean, that just makes sense, right? I mean, God, and this is, this is a really important point now. I'm, I'm going to hit at some paradigms. Like I said before, like I prayed, uh, I'm hitting on some paradigms today that I think are, are a very important foundation for us to stand on in order to, do, in order to hear God's voice with wisdom. 
And uh, sometimes people think, you know, well, if I'm just hearing from God directly, why do I need to talk to anybody else? And that's a wrong way to think about hearing God's voice. Okay? Hearing God is not a bypass ticket for you to go past all of the human permissions that you need. Okay? Hearing God is something, it's not, do I hear God or do I get permission from people? It's both. I hear God and I get the permissions I need from people. Does that make sense? So again, I'll use my wife, LaDawn, again. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, we were back in the old building there at the, at the 55 Plus, what is now the 55 Plus Center. We did the first fundraising campaign for the building here. And I was so excited about it. I remember one day uh, uh, praying. And I was spending some time in prayer with the Lord. And I was excited about the campaign. I was like, Lord, I, I want to give. And I want to sacrifice. I want to do this. And I had a number come into my head. And for us at that time, it was a big number. And I was excited. I'm in prayer. And I'm like, Lord, I, I want to give this. I want to sacrifice for this cause. I want to be a part of this. And I felt like I had gotten the number from God, okay? And so I was excited. And so I was going to leave the prayer time. Now, I know what some of you would do if you would get a number like that in prayer. You would go home to your wives or to your husbands or whatever, and you would say, this is what God told me, this is what we're doing, right? And that is not the way to approach it. It's not the way to approach it at all. Just because you feel God showed you something does not mean you don't need to get permissions from other human beings. And the fact of the matter is, if you're married, your spouse that's their money too. And so even though I was excited in my prayer time, I felt like I had heard a number from God. He and I, had an, we had an agreement when I left. And I said to him, I said, Lord, if, she, if LaDon wants to give half of that or a tenth of that or a third of that, I'm not going to argue with her. I'm not going to force her hand because you and I both know it's her money too. I'm not going to give away her money. Isn't that true? This is wisdom that I'm talking about here. I can't just go and give away something without the permissions that I need. Now, of course, with LaDawn, she's just a fantastic, amazing person, and she never undergives me, okay? And she was fully on board uh, with that, as she has been on many other things. But the, but the tr- principle holds, if she would have wanted to give less, I wouldn't have gone over her head and said, God told me. No way. See, when you think you're hearing from God, you still need to get the permissions that you need to get. The same is true at work. Same is true at work. You're in the marketplace, wherever it is that you work, you have a boss, all those sorts of things. God's telling you to do something. You don't go ahead and just do things without the permissions being in place. And this actually brings up a really important point. And this is the rabbit trail I was alluding to just before. I think it's a really important rabbit trail. And I think it's a very important thing that we need to talk about in a listening prayer inbound series. And what I want to talk about now, basically for the rest of this message, is the relationship between human authority and listening prayer. Okay? And listening prayer, put in there the prophetic gift as well. What is the relationship between human authority and you're getting a word from God, whether it be a prophetic word or your listening prayer, whatever you want to call it, all right? And, uh, and so let me just give you a little bit of the history where this problem uh, it comes from, where this question comes from, because a lot of churches have split up and made a lot of big mess because of this issue. A lot of churches have been split up. There's been a lot of messes. And not even just in the church, but outside the church, Jesus' name has been dragged through the mud in many different ways and on many different occasions because of misunderstanding about this issue, the relationship between I heard something from God and there's delegated human authority and I'm not listening to them. So I want to talk about the relationship between those two things for a while. And to give you a little history of this problem, uh, uh, of where this problem is coming from, over the last 50 years... Last 50 years, we're at, we are at a unique place. I've said this before for many different reasons, but we are at a unique place in human history right now. In the last 50 years, we have seen a global resurgence all around the world of people who believe that God still speaks today and they believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. 
prophecy and those sorts of things. That there's a massive resurgence going on around the world. What it's called is Pentecostalism. There's an umbrella term, Pentecostalism, okay? Pentecostalism, when we use it like that, is not just referring to Pentecostal churches who are in denominations that are charismatic. What it refers to as a term when, when researchers are doing research like this is Pentecostals is anyone who believes God still speaks today and believes in all the gifts of the Spirit, okay? So that would include us here at Southland. We're not part of a charismatic denomination. We don't call ourselves Pentecostals, but for the purpose of this, we're part of this Pentecostal movement, okay, which is exploding around the world right now and has been for a number of decades already. Uh, Pentecostalism is by far the fastest growing wing of Christianity, including the Roman Catholic Church and every other, the mainline Protestant churches and evangelicals who aren't Pentecostals. You take every type of Christian you can possibly get around the world on all the continents and you say, which is the fastest growing wing of the Christian church? And by far for a number of decades already, it's been Pentecostalism. Every year, the number of Pentecostals in the world grows by uh, over 20 million or 20 plus million every single year, okay? It is huge. Right now, people like us who believe that God speaks, who hear God's voice, who believe in all the gifts of the Spirit, we now number uh, 25 to 30% of the total number of people who would call themselves Christians, including Roman Catholics, all right? So that is a big uh, percentage, and that percentage is going up. There's now 600 million people like us around the world, people who love Jesus, people who believe it, who hear God's voice, people who are practicing the gifts. There's 600 million. We'll hit a billion in the next decade or so, okay? Now you say, well, what in the world? First of all, two questions. Why is that happening? And number two, what does this have to do with the message? Okay, well, first things first, okay? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? It was prophesied in Scripture. It was prophesied in Scripture both in Joel and in Acts that exactly this type of an explosion would happen uh, Peter said this, in the last days it shall be, okay? In the last days. In the end times, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So we are watching, we are watching the beginnings of an end time outpouring right now. Okay, again, I want you to think about the history here. You're saying, well, hasn't this just been happening all the time? No, 150 years ago, there was no such thing as Pentecostals. There was no such thing, okay? People, there might have been scattered people here and there around the globe, but there was no cohesive movement or group of churches that believed in hearing God like we believe that and that believed in the gifts of the Spirit like tongues and prophecy. That did not exist 150, only 150 years ago. And a hundred years ago, the only people who believed in that were what everybody else in Christianity termed kooks. They lived, there was a, a, a bunch of them in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. And now to go from that in a hundred years to 600 million, we are watching this prophecy take place right now. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit and people are going to see visions and dream dreams and all sorts of stuff. Amazing. So it's actually wonderful to be a part of this. I'm, I'm excited to live in the times that we live. In the last days, watching God's outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Amazing. But there's a but in this, and that's where this message comes in, okay? As with everything that we human beings touch, okay? So God comes in, he pours out his spirit. His amazing work is going on around the world. People are being set free. People are hearing God's voice. They're starting to have a personal relationship and walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But as with everything that we human beings get involved with, there are, it's tainted with abuses and different problems and all that sort of stuff. And certainly Pentecostalism has had many abuses and different things, and we're not going to talk about all of them right here today. All right? But one of the problems I want to talk about here today is one of the things that has come out of this whole explosion in the last 50 years is the following thing. 
as millions and millions of individuals have been set free by this knowledge that they don't just have to hear about God from a pastor. They don't just have to connect to God through a priest. They can actually hear directly from God himself that he actually wants to speak to them, which is a wonderful, liberating, amazing truth. But as they've gotten a hold of that truth, as with all things that are human, many people have gotten this idea, well, if I can hear directly from God, what is the need then for me to hear from human leadership, right? And it's actually a good question, right? I mean, if, if I can hear directly from God, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, why on earth would I need permissions from any of his underlings, human beings? So I want to give you two reasons. God's delegated human authority has been subverted by a good thing. A good thing I can hear from God, but that good thing has been subverted into I don't need human leadership. And so let me give you two reasons here, and this is really important. We're going to touch on some foundational paradigm stuff here, how you think about hearing God. But let me give you two reasons why the fact that even though you can hear from God doesn't mean that you don't need human authority and that you don't need to submit and obey to human authority. First reason is this. This one, I want you to get this one. Listening prayer, and you can toss in that the prophetic, whatever you want, any kind of hearing God. Listening prayer, the prophetic, even hearing from God in his word. Listening prayer is not a hotline directly to God. I want us to get out this morning, I want all of us to get out of our minds any vestige of the idea that when I'm listening to God in prayer, or that when I'm getting a prophetic word, or when I'm studying his word, that I actually have a telephone line directly to God, and he's communicating to me with perfect clarity. See, a lot of people have a subconscious. They may ne- you may never have pictured that, but a lot of people have this idea that if I hear from God, I'm hearing directly from him. It's like a phone line. And the reason I want you to get rid of that picture from your mind is because if you have a picture like that, the next thing that comes in immediately is pride. And the next thing that comes after that is you're going to start walking around saying things like God told me. If you have this idea that you have a direct connection to God and you're hearing him with perfect clarity, the next thing you're going to start saying is God told me this and God told me that. God told me he's going to expand my business. You better sell me your shares. God told me he's going to expand my business. You better sell me that land. God told me he's going to bring unity to the churches in Steinbeck. So you better all sign up for this event. God told me we need to tackle this uh, human problem in the world. So give money to this charity. Come out and support this event, whatever it is. God told me this. God told me that. We need to get out of our minds this idea that we can have a direct hotline to God. Here's a new picture I want to replace it with. This picture changes your whole feeling about hearing God and the prophetic and everything. And it changes in a way that will help you have humility, and it changes in a way that will help you to have wisdom. When you think of hearing God's voice, have no idea of a phone call directly between you and God, I want you to think of a very old radio with really bad reception. Do you hear what I'm saying? My grandma and Grandpa Dirksen, well, my grandpa's gone now, but they, they had in, in, back when I was a kid, and we would come visit them, they had this old radio. I'm picturing it right now. It was all black on the bottom, and on the top they had the dial. And, and it was always in their patio, and every time I touched it, I got a shock because it had a short in there somewhere. And it had a horrible reception, okay? I want you to picture that. I want to picture you to picture not a direct line to God that I'm hearing him with clarity, but every time you're listening to God and trying to get a word from him, I want you to picture yourself instead huddled, maybe with some other people, around a very old radio with really bad reception, and there's lots of static, and the conversation is broken up, and there's big gaps missing. 
And the moment you get that picture in your head, instead of a hotline directly to God, notice how your whole demeanor changes about what you think you're hearing from God. It changes from, God told me, now you better listen to what I'm saying. It changes to, I think God is saying, what do you think? I sense God is saying, I need to pray about it a bit more. I feel like maybe God is, do you see that? There's a total difference. That paradigm shifts everything. When you are listening to God, think old radio, bad reception. And that's actually the truth of the matter because the reason the reception is bad is because everything you're hearing, it doesn't matter how much you feel. See, we are deceived by our feelings. We get feelings sometimes very strongly, oh, that is 100% God, what I'm hearing right there. Nothing you hear can, ever, can you ever be 100% sure it's God because it's all coming through the filter of your sinfulness and fleshiness and humanness and your personality. So everything has to be taken a little bit in stock, and that's why getting confirmation from others is a huge, important thing to do. Because your humanness and, and sinfulness are fuzzying things up. So new picture for hearing God, fuzzy old radio. You got it? Okay, it's not a hotline directly to God. Now, when you get that picture, too, you start to realize, wait a minute, because, see, if you think it's a hotline, that's when you think you don't need human authority because you can go directly to God yourself. When you recognize that it's a fuzzy old radio and you don't have all the gaps, you recognize, oh, wait, I still need human authority, right? Second reason, second reason we still need human authority even if we can hear from God, and we do hear from God, is this, God works through his delegated human authorities. Okay, it's God himself who designed things to run orderly with leadership. It's God himself who instituted governments, and in a family, parents and kids, and in schools, teachers and students, and in the church, pastors and and leaders. It's God himself who designed authority. So when he comes along and gives a prophetic word, or he's speaking to you in listening prayer, it is not his goal to subvert the very thing he's put in in place, right? Isn't that true? Let me show you some scriptures. I want to show you some scriptures um, that show very clearly, and again, Pastor Ray did a whole series on submission last year, so I'm not going to spend tons of time here, but I just need to show you a few scriptures. Submitting to authority and obeying authority is a huge thing. I want you to get this point throughout this message. It's not, do I hear God or do I submit to human authority? It's both. It's yes, yes. I hear God and I submit to human authority. I hear God and I get the permissions that I need. Let every person, Romans 13 verses 1 to 2, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let me just stop there for a moment. Let every person. That would include, you might be in prayer and fasting every day for hours and hours. And you're just spiritual. I mean, you are just revelations from the Lord. You've memorized half the New Testament. You are just deep in the Word of God. And you know so much stuff. And God still says to you, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, even if the governing authorities are less spiritual than you. They might not even know God. For there is no authority except from God, and those that that exist have been instituted by God. You see that? God's not asking you. He does not have a direct hotline to you telling you to subvert the authority he put in place. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Well, that passage wasn't enough for you. Titus 3 verse 1. Remind them, that's believers, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. 
There's so many of these. Hebrews 13, 17, speaking specifically of church leaders here. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do it with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. In other words, let's say uh, that you're here today and you work at McDonald's. Okay, most of us work somewhere. Most of us have a boss somewhere, right? But let's say here, we'll just, you work at McDonald's, Okay. And, and again, you're going to sell, and you're pumped for God, and you're praying all the time, you're in the Word, and you get this idea, God's telling you something you need to do at work. Maybe he's telling you to minister to someone at work, or start a ministry at work. It sounds so good. Everybody else in your cell group is like, yeah, go for it, ministry, all sort of stuff. Let me tell you something. If it's at, in a workplace, on work time, whatever it is you think you're hearing from God, you need to have permission from your boss. What? Come on. What? It's so spirit's good. How can it not be good for me to take an hour here on, on the boss's time to lead someone to Jesus? How, what, Chris, if, if, if I go to them for permission and they say no, now what do I do? Now I'll have to disobey either God or the boss. Here's the thing. Oh, very, very key point. Listen to this. Very, very key point. If it's really God, if it's really him, he'll make sure you get all the permissions you need. Isn't that true? Because it's not either or. Do I listen to God? Do I listen to human authority? It's both. If it's really from God, he'll make sure you get the permissions you need. If you don't get the permission you need, then one of two things. Either you didn't really hear from God to do that thing, or God doesn't want you to do it right now. Authority. We do both. Yes, we listen to God, but yes, if it's really God, you're going to get, and that's part of the confirmation process then. That's how you can get confirmation is if you get permission. That works as another confirmation then, right? Well, I, I think God is opening the door for me to do X. And if God doesn't open the door, you go back to prayer and you say, Lord, either I'm hearing you wrong or I'm just supposed to persist in prayer and the timing's not right. And you go back to him, but you get your permissions. And the same is true, not just out there in the marketplace. I want to talk about church here for a little bit because it's exactly in the body where this over-spiritualization process gets to work on people. It's exactly here in the church where people, they think to themselves, you know, I'm studying God's Word eight hours a day and I'm learning all this new stuff and it's amazing and I'm getting all this new teaching and revelation and prophetic words and, and if there's any place in the world where I should be free to share all this God stuff I'm getting, it's in the church. I should be totally free to share whatever I'm getting from God in the church. Wrong. Wrong. I mean, most stuff is, is it's just harmless stuff. It's stuff God's sharing with you about your life or whatever. But if it's new stuff, if it's different stuff, the question I have for you is, do you have permission? Do you have permission? Because if it's really God working in you and speaking to you, he'll make sure you get all the permissions you need. Is, is God big enough to do that? Can it, is he big enough? Maybe some of you, to maybe not. Okay. You say, well, you guys at Southland here are so controlling. It's not about control. It's about order. It's about a divine order. God has a way of leading a business in a direction through the leadership. He has a way of leading a church in a direction through the leadership. And this is how many churches in the Pentecostal movement have split and exploded and it's been messy and been a terrible testimony for Jesus has been exactly over this issue because everybody said, we're all free to hear God, so they all just started hearing God and doing their own thing. And that's what the definition of a faction is. A faction is different people going in different direction. If you don't want to have factions, what you have to do is let God lead through the leadership. 
That's how it works. Let me share with you a story, um, and you've heard it before, okay? But I'm a big believer in certain stories need to be retold and retold and retold and retold because they just capture the essence of a piece of our identity here at Southland, our foundational, our history, who we are, and how we think things should work, okay? So I want to tell you a story about, about uh, Grace Fast. She's our pastor of prayer and prophecy here at the church. I did not ask her for permission to share this story uh, for two reasons. First of all, I knew she wouldn't give it. And number two, <laughs> um, actually, it's not, yeah, after the last service, she was here, and so she finally did give it to me, and because uh, I'd already done it three times. But, um, and the second reason is, I knew she would, I, we've shared this story before, so I didn't think it was a big deal, okay? But Ken, can you just throw, there's, there's, there's Grace, okay? For those of you who are new here, now you know who I'm talking about. That's Grace Fast, or Pastor Prayer and Prophecy. Wonderful godly, amazing woman. And many of you know her, and she's awesome, okay? But uh, anyway, so to go back to my story, a um, number of years ago, any of you who knows anything about the history of this church, you will know, back in the early days when Pastor Ray was here, we as a church, including Pastor Ray, myself, and all of us, we did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, like tongues, prophecy, all those, all those ones. Uh, we believe, we've always believed in hearing God's voice. That's always been part of our DNA, we didn't believe in, in all of those other things, okay, at that time. Now, uh, so it's about nine or ten years ago now, Pastor Ray preached a series on the Holy Spirit. It was a good, good series, okay? But that series was a lot different than what we would preach now or what you would hear at Encounter and Empower because, again, we didn't believe in a lot of things back then that we do now. Now, while Pastor Ray was preaching this series on the Holy Spirit, Grace Fast and her husband and, and three kids were coming to our church already at that time. And at that time already, Grace Fast, unbeknownst to us, was a closet charismaniac. Okay, I like to say that. Okay? She believed in all the gifts. Going back many years prior to that, she had had a powerful ex- encounter with God, and she had experienced some of the gifts of the Spirit in action for herself and other people around her, and she knew that the gifts were still for today, and she knew them to be wonderful and important gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Okay? And so she knew this. And, but anyway, while uh, her and Reg and the family are listening to this message series, they realize that Pastor Ray and a church here uh, are not on the same page with them. Okay? And she says to her husband, Reg, at one point, she says, I don't think Ray agrees with us. We don't agree with each other on this thing. Now, what do you do next? Well, I know what some of you people here would do. Fire off a quick email calling us idiots or whatever it is. And uh, fortunately for Grace, that never crossed her mind. She doesn't have days like that, I don't think. She is about as close to holy, I think, as you can get here on planet Earth. Um, wonderful spirit, okay? It doesn't cross her mind to be nasty or mean or, or to start an argument. But she gets a couple of opportunities uh, to talk to Pastor Ray in a good spirit uh, about this issue, okay? And one opportunity... Uh, uh, raises its head. She's in the hospital with her husband, was very sick at that time, and, and Pastor Ray came to visit them, and just before he got, came into the hospital room, she didn't know he was coming, she was praying in her spiritual language, okay, in the hospital room. Pastor Ray comes in and says, what are you doing? <laughs> a good question, okay? Well, here is an opportunity for her to share, right, in a good spirit. She's not being argumentative, hasn't written a long email, castigating, nothing like that. Here's a perfect opportunity for her to share with Pastor Ray, right, what the real truth is, yes? And just before she can share, the Holy Spirit very strongly impresses on her, don't do it. Keep your mouth shut, be quiet. And so she just keeps quiet. 
She gets another opportunity somewhere in that year or two, somewhere in there. She had a couple opportunities to share with Pastor Ray. Now, I just want to stop there for just a moment. First of all, let's ask the question this. Was she right? Yeah, she was right. We totally agree with her now. She was totally right. She was right biblically from the Bible. We believe fully she was right. She was right biblically. She was right experientially. She wasn't talking in theory about something she didn't know. She was talking about something she had practiced in a good and godly way. She was right in her spirit. She wasn't angry. She wasn't argumentative. She was right in every single way. And still did not talk about it. Now, this is a question I have, and I have for myself, first of all, but now I'll ask to you guys. That I asked myself a number of times this week as I was meditating, getting ready for this message. How many of you here today, if you knew you were right about something, would be able to keep quiet about it? I think a number of us would fail that test. I think I would fail that test sometimes too. I'm hoping God's moved me to a place where I wouldn't fail that test. Grace talked to me in between services uh, after the last service and talked to me about how she was very close to failing that test too. It's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. But here's the thing that the Holy Spirit was teaching her in and through this. If God's going to bring something new into the church, he's not going to do it through you, Grace. He's going to do it through the leadership. Isn't that true? If God is, if we trust God, if he's big enough, if he wants to bring a big thing into the church, he's not going to just bring it in through everybody. That's how you get factions. He's got a divine order. And so he said to Grace, it's not through you. It's going to have to come through Pastor Ray. I want to draw your attention now for the next few years. It actually uh, it took her a few years before she ever got to talk about it. During those few years, I want to just draw your attention to what she did not do. She did not go back to her cell and do a Bible study on the gifts of the Spirit. Doesn't that sound so spiritual? Isn't that something that sometimes we, we do? And I'm this, I, I do some of these same things. We're snakes as human beings. Isn't that true? Because it sounds so spiritual. You know, I know Pastor Ray's doing this good thing. He doesn't, but you know what? Let's just do a study. And we start leading people down a path that the leadership isn't leading them. She didn't do a Bible study. She didn't write up a big paper showing us all the reasons that we were wrong and she could have done that. She didn't start making friends in high places and trying to convince them and win them over to her side. She did absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And a few years later, now let me, and a few years later, she got an opportunity to talk about it, but let me tell you how it got to that. Little did she know, and this is the big thing, little did she know that this time while she was being quiet, which was difficult for her, and would be difficult for any of us, that while she was being quiet about this issue, that God was working powerfully in Pastor Ray's heart, bringing him to a place where he would embrace the gifts too. And I want, to talk, I want to just address that for a second here. How many of us actually trust God to be able to do that? See, we, many of us, we think, well, God showed me, but he won't be able to show anyone else, so I'll have to convince them. Isn't that how we think? I mean, he was able to show me because, thank goodness, I'm... I don't know why. He was just able to because I'm just so amazing, I guess. But nobody else will get it. I better share with them quickly. Oh, I got this out of the Word. Five hours of study. Let me tell you now. Let me tell you quickly before I forget it. And what we don't realize is that God has his own timetable that he moves and his own sovereign pace. And at the very moment when we think we should be rushing ahead and telling everybody else about it, he's going, shh, 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 please, shh. 
Because deep under the surface, he's already working. And he was already working powerfully in Pastor Ray. And sure enough, a few years later, a few years later after preaching this series, he was out on a study leave again, doing some study and various things. And not to, hadn't told anybody else, but he was already at that point very close. He was right at the door of accepting all the gifts. And he really believed. And th- through a whole series of different things, it's a whole other story. He's told that one as well. And what does he do while he's out there? He is, he's actually scared because all his life he's been in circles that say you're crazy if you believe in the gifts. And he's afraid of what he's becoming. And afraid of what's going to happen to him and afraid of what's going to happen to the church. And he's wrestling with these issues out there in B.C., and on March, on, on March 12th, and I forget the year, but he phones back home at that point now. By this time, Grace has become his head prayer partner. He phones back to Grace and he says, I, I need you to pray for me. I need you to really pray for me because this is what I'm wrestling with. And then he begins, and he has no idea that she believes in these things. He tells her what he's wrestling with and he's like, I just need intercession. And right then the Holy Spirit says, now you can talk. And right then, at a critical juncture, when Pastor Ray is fearful and wrestling with something very big that he's afraid of, he gets a powerful piece of confirmation because the first person he calls and says, I need you to pray about it, and she says, and someone he trusts, and she says, "Uh, I believe in those things. I've experienced them. I operate in them already. And he gets a powerful point of confirmation right at a strategic point when he most needs it. And the rest is history. Holy Spirit brought the gifts in here at Southland, empowers and encounters all sorts of things and it's been basically seamless it's been amazing it's been amazing it's been awesome now the question is what would have happened had grace opened her mouth too early right what would have happened if she would have started leading a group discussion on this too early or talking to pastor ray too early well it's a theoretical question so we don't we can't we can't ever know right at the very least at the very least however we know that Pastor Ray would have been without an important point of confirmation at a critical juncture, yes? And who knows what was needed there to push him over the edge to accept the things that God was showing him. At the very least, he would have been missing that piece of confirmation, okay? But at the worst, it could have been much worse. Many of you may not know, but other churches have made the switch from not believing in the gifts of the Spirit to believing in the gifts of the Spirit, and most of them, it's really ugly what happens. Splits and fighting. Here at Southland, we were already a big church, well over a 1,000 people, and we made that transition, like I said before, almost seamlessly. That is no credit to us as leaders. It was an absolute miracle. We were terrified about it. It was fully an act of God because godly people like Grace allowed him to work at his pace so that people didn't fall off the back end. That's why it worked. And God's going to work through his leadership. He's not going to just work through a bunch of people, bringing a whole bunch of new things and new teachings and new revelations into the church through a bunch, a whole bunch of different people. He's got a divine order. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. Look at this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, not everybody's responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The pastors, the teachers, the prophets, the evangelists, the apostles, the, the leadership, the five-fold ministry that heads up the church, that God gives them that responsibility, the ones who are officially responsible before God for the church, it is their responsibility to lead, to cast vision, to teach. 
And of course, all of us, to some extent, lead and teach and do some of those sorts of things. But everything that we lead and teach needs to come under that other authority, not new things, not on a different page, not going our own direction. It's divine order. Otherwise, we have factions. Again, of course, some of you I know are sitting there right now because this just goes totally against how our culture likes to think. We like to think it's just a free-for-all. And some of you are saying, well, you know what? What, what are you asking us to do, Chris? Be, just become robots? Like, we don't think anything. Just anything that comes from the pulpit, we just receive it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. No, okay? I'm not asking you to become zombies. I just shared with you a story of Grace Fast disagreeing with us and being right. And I'm so glad she didn't change her mind. I'm so glad she didn't just take what we preached to her and said, oh, okay, I guess I'm done with that. No. You all need, you have a personal responsibility before God. You need to think on your own. You need to study for your own. You need to discern on your own. No question. The question is not, can you think for your own, for yourself? The question is, what do you do when you know more than the leadership or when you think you know more? That's the question. Not, can you know more? Not, can you think for yourself? But what do you do with what you know that leadership isn't teaching? What do you do with revelations that you got from God, things you heard from God? Yes, you may have heard those. Yes, they may be true. And they may not, but they may be true. And what do you do with them then? That's what we're talking about here. See, many of us just panic. We just hit the button of, I've got to do something about this right now. I've got to teach this right now. Even though it's never been taught in the church, I've got to teach it right now. I just got this revelation about some people. I've got to share it right now. And the reason we feel like we have to do it right now, it stems at its root well, part of it was pride and insecurity. Those things play into it too. But part of it is a lack of trust for God. We do not trust at its root. We do not trust God to be able to sovereignly do his work in other people. In his way, through his designated authority. We don't trust him to do it. You say, well, why would God reveal things to me that leadership hasn't taught about yet or thought about yet or been revealed yet? Why would he reveal things to me that I have to keep quiet about and do nothing about? There's many reasons. Lots and lots of reasons. Let me just give you three. One of the reasons you may be learning those things is so that you can pray about them. Isn't that true? Like he may be showing you something so that not, like we need to get out of this default mode of the moment I hear something, I got to share it with so-and-so. I got something for you in prayer the other day. Maybe you got it for them so you could pray for them. We need to get out of this mode of, I just got something in my devotions yesterday from this huge study I did. I know it's never come up in a message before or anything like that. i got to teach my cell group about it right away. And we need to think, maybe this is for me to pray into the church. Maybe this is for me to pray. Maybe for this is for me to partner with God and see him work in advance. Maybe, maybe he's telling you in advance so you can pray about it. Maybe, second reason, maybe the reason he's telling you about it in advance is because he wants you to serve as a point of confirmation in the future. We saw how that worked with the Grace Fast story. She couldn't share it, couldn't share it, couldn't share it, and then right at a moment when Pastor Ray was coming to it from his own angle, the Holy Spirit taking him there, then she could be a point of confirmation for him. Awesome. And I know of lots of examples like that. Last year, for example, um, Pastor Ray and Ray Yoder were having discussions about uh, Ray Yoder becoming the cell pastor, okay? And, and so they're having these discussions. And little do they know that while they're having these discussions about Ray being the cell pastor, which he is now, is that two of Ray Yoder's, we have too many Rays here, um, and too many graces, we have three graces here now too. 
Uh, someone said the other day, yesterday, that we have too many Chris's, but that's not true. We only have one too many Chris, and that's the other one. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, that's just, that was an important part of the message. Just make sure you put that in your notes, and then we'll just keep going here. But anyway, so Pastor Ray and Ray are talking, and, uh, and little do they know that Ray Yoder's prayer, two of his main prayer partners, Dana Lowen and Karis Penner, in prayer, totally separate, separate from this, not knowing what they're discussing, in prayer, get this word, Ray Yoder's supposed to be the cell pastor. And again, in wisdom, he has to go blab this right away. He said nothing about it. He said nothing about it. Because again, is God big enough? Is your God big enough that you don't have to help him do all his work? And so they just kept it and they prayed about it. That's all they did. They just prayed about it. Well, I, and I, I don't know exactly what the timetable was. It was a couple weeks or a month or something like that. And Ray Yoder comes and approaches them and he says, this is what Pastor Ray and I are thinking. And then they were able to give a powerful point of confirmation. They said, we already got that in prayer. Well, that, isn't that an amazing confirmation? Here's Pastor Ray and Ray Yoder trying to figure things out from an organizational side. And I think this looks right and it feels right. And it look, looks like God is in this. And then you go and talk and then these prayer partners already got it a month ago. You go, yes, this is God is in this. Confirmation. And that might be why God's telling you in advance. Don't ruin it. There's a third reason why God might tell you something and teach you amazing truths. And he still doesn't want you to talk about them or lead other people in them. And that is because he likes you. God really loves to confide things in people. The Old Testament says over and over again, he does nothing. He does nothing without first talking, telling his servants, the prophets. And it's the same now. God just loves us. Before he does something, he just wants to tell some people. And if, you're, and if you're close to him, he might want to tell you. And that doesn't mean he's telling you so that you can go and lead a faction in the church. He's still going to work through his divine order. Look at this, Psalm 25, 14. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Some of us need to talk less and enjoy God more. Oh, Lord, that's an amazing thing you taught me in your word today. And you know what? That's just between you and me for right now. Oh, I love that you're showing me this stuff. And it's an intimacy thing. You don't need to talk about it to everybody else until he says, now you do it. And if he's telling you, now you do it, you better have gotten your permissions first because if it's really him, he's not telling you to subvert authority. That's how it works. This is a biblical idea. This is a biblical idea. Let me finish with this story. This is all through scripture, but... Uh, famous, very famous story. We've talked about it before, but uh, famous, David, David lived this principle that you can hear God and submit to human authority at the same time. And of course, uh, as we know, the, the, the king who was king in Israel before David was King Saul. King Saul was disobedient, and God said, I'm removing my blessing from King Saul. Okay? And so God goes to Samuel and says to Samuel, I'm going to anoint a new king. Now, this is a prophetic act because he's doing this more than 20 years before Saul is actually going to be removed from being a king. Okay? And so we find, you can find this story if you want to read the whole thing. We don't have time to read the whole thing here, but you can read the whole thing. It starts in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll read you a passage here. So the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So more than 20 years in advance, God is giving prophetic information to Samuel. He's going to do a prophetic act. New king is coming. And so Samuel uh, goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse 
uh, pulls out seven of his sons, and they all stand before Samuel, and they're all good-looking guys, and Samuel is sure one of these guys is the king. He goes through each one of them from oldest to youngest, and the Spirit of the Lord says to him on each one, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. They get to the end of the seven, it's like, well, do you have any other boys? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, but it can't be him, okay? We've got the guy who takes care of the sheep out back, David, and Samuel says, bring him in. Later in the chapter, 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13, and he, that's Jesse, sent and brought him, that's David, in. Now he, David, was ruddy and had beautiful eyes. I need to just stop there for a moment. I don't know what ruddy means. And I don't know if I would like to be described as a man who was ruddy and had beautiful eyes. It sounds kind of feminine to me, but I'm not sure what it actually means, okay? Anyway, I know that's not what David was. I guess they're, they're wording there, whatever, but I'll just keep going. Was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome, okay? And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And I'll tell you why that is underlined in just a moment. Okay? So this is uh, country-shaking, really big information. This is not unimportant information. This is very important information. And we have two types of prophetic information. This is years and years in advance. Okay? Two types of prophetic information God is giving to Samuel and David and David's family. Okay? First piece of prophetic information that God is giving them years in advance is this. Saul is a bad king. My, my blessing isn't on him anymore. Okay? That's a big piece of information. Okay? Second piece of information, David is the rightful king. He's the one who's going to be the next king. He's anointed, all sorts of stuff. So two pieces of information. The leader that's in charge right now, blessing is not on him anymore. And my blessing is going to be on David. He's going to be the next king. Now, I want you just to imagine for a second that you get information like that in your life. Just imagine it again. We read these stories. We don't put ourselves in these stories sometimes, and we just totally miss what's, how amazing this is what David and Samuel do. Okay? I want you to picture, whether it be at your job with your boss or here in this church, whatever it is, we'll just use the church since this is where I am and this is where we are. Okay? Let's imagine that God comes to you and you get a revelation. You've spent five hours with him in a prayer, prayer room. It's just been so amazing. And then the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, Pastor Ray, my blessing is off him. I'm done with him, and you're going to be the next leader. What would you do with that information? I guarantee you most of us would do something with it. Whether it be subconscious or conscious, there would be a huge temptation to begin to subvert authority there, wouldn't there be? Even if you didn't do it overtly. You'd go out of there and you'd start to build a bit of a following. You might even start to warn people because you know, you, even if you're spiritual enough not to actually blatantly tell them, Pastor Ray doesn't have the blessing of God on him anymore, but you'll just start to subvert it because you want, yeah, the blessing, stay away from him. He's going to lead you astray because God's blessing is not on him. You start to lead people away from him, right? Because you've got to warn them. God told you, right? He's a bad leader. He's disobedient. You've got to warn people, get away from him. And at the same time, you can start to build a little following. You have your own teachings going, and everybody's following. Revelations, all sorts of people are following you. You're doing something because, hey, you're, you're the rightful one. You have been anointed. This is big information. This is going to change the political structure of Israel. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. David is from the tribe of Judah. It's going to change the capital city. It's going to change how things work. It's going to change everything. And I want you to notice what Samuel, so we would all, I'm pretty sure most of us would act on this information. And I want you to notice amazingly what Samuel and David actually do. Nothing. They do nothing. The very next line here, it says, And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You know what was at Ramah? His house. He went home. 
He just gave a country-changing revelation. New king, old king's bad. He doesn't go and unite the clans and build an army and start political intrigues against Saul. He goes, all the day's work, and he goes home. <laughs> he goes home. And if you read David, what does David do with this information? You read chapter 17, he goes back to shepherding. They don't pour any energy into getting rid of Saul. They don't pour any energy into raising up David. They do nothing. And let me tell you why they are able to do nothing and why most of us would fail to do nothing. We would for sure do something. Most of us. That is because of this. They had an ingredient that most of us are missing. They had a deep-seated trust in the sovereign power of God. And most of us, our God is too small. We think we have to do his work for him. And that's why we think there's a dichotomy between listening to God and obeying human authority. We think, if I hear God, I've got to get rid of authority then. David doesn't do it. He says yes to both. I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to obey authority because I don't have to get rid of Saul. If it's really God, God will do it. He gets two chances in the next 20 years where God, where it looks like God has put Saul into his lap to kill him and he refuses to do it both times. Why? Because he believes God is big enough and sovereign enough to do his own work. And so David doesn't sin in getting... A lot of people would have sinned. The, David could have made himself king and sinned in the process, but he didn't. He became king and didn't sin. He listened to God and didn't subvert authority. He continued to submit to Saul. And you and I, if we're going to have a solid foundation for hearing God's voice, have got to get a radically different picture of a sovereign God who doesn't need us to sin and subvert authority and rebel in order to get his work done. And so let me finish this message with three things that you can trust God to do. If you're hearing from God and you're getting revelations from God, again, in your workplace with your boss, in your home with your parents, wherever it is that you have authority, you're here in this church. You think you know something that the leaders don't know. You think you have new stuff that needs to go out there. Before you speak, let me tell you three things that, like David and Samuel, that you can trust God to do. First of all, you can trust him that if it's really him speaking to you, if it's really him, that he can also speak that thing to the leadership. Isn't that true? Isn't God big enough to do that? I think he is. You don't have to subvert authority because you can trust. You can, before you talk and start to lead a faction, you can trust God to, that if it's really from him, he can do it in them too, just like Grace did. It's the second thing. No, you say, well, yeah, but my boss isn't a Christian. How is he going to hear God's voice? Or, yeah, but you guys are obstinate at Southland. I've been waiting three days, and you haven't gotten it, okay? So maybe you're never going to get it, right? Well, here's the second thing you can trust God to do. You still don't have to, to sin. You still don't have to rebel against your boss or whatever it is, or your parents. Because you can trust God that if leadership refuses to get it, that God can remove leadership without your help. Isn't that true? Isn't that what he did with Saul? 20 years, David refused to help God get rid of Saul. He said, there's no way, God, I will not touch your anointed one. And God said, good job, you're the right king. God does not need your help to remove leadership. If leadership won't get it, and what you're getting is really from God, you can trust God to get rid of leadership. And there's a third thing you can trust God to do. If you're the problem, you can trust him to get rid of you. Isn't that true? That's true too. You can trust God to do those things. We don't need to panic. We don't need to run ahead of God. We don't need to create, create factions. We can follow him in the body. We can have wisdom in listening prayer. We can obey our bosses at work. We can be smart. We can be a good testimony in the community. And we can have unity in this body by listening to God and obeying delegated human authority. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Ushers, you can come forward. We'll take the offering now.
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you for wisdom. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you're speaking to us. Thank you for the unity you've brought here itself, and we know it is a gift from you. We don't take it lightly. Jesus, we want to be known as a church body, Lord, that loves to hear from you, but not just... Not just people who are known for being in the perm for hours and hours, but Lord, people who are known for being a testimony in the community. There's a godliness about you, about us. That we hear your voice and we're submitted, Lord. We're humble and godly and on board, in love with you and also loving people. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you're going to do in our lives. I pray that you would bless the offering now. You bless every one of the givers, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.